Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. What do you think of when you hear this word? Just what pops into your mind? Change. What do you think of? To cause to move from one state to another. Change. Hmm. Unknown. Makes you think of what's unknown, what's unfamiliar. Giving up something. Uh, do we become comfortable with what we consider normal? Now, what I was going to do today, but I decided I didn't have time to do it because we have such compressed service. I, I was going to wear my cowboy boots. And then in, at this point, I was going to have my house shoes up here and have Kyle come up and take my, help me take my cowboy boots off and move back to what was comfortable, my red, white, and blue Crocs that are my house shoes. I, I got them that way so you could find them in the dark. They glow. But time's sake, I didn't do that. Would you change fear to get something better? Power, love. Peace of mind. Would you walk away from the expectation of harm and evil and a painful situation if you were able to walk into an abundance of ability and strength where you found acceptance and love, self-discipline? I like the word acceptance years ago. I read it, 30 years ago, I read a book. Love, forgiveness, and acceptance. Love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Acceptance. Would you leave one situation to find acceptance. Well, God's made provision for that, no matter our circumstances. And the apostle Paul was in prison, and he wrote a letter to a young preacher named Tim. And this is what he said to him, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Paul proclaims this in the midst of his troubles. Almost paradoxical, isn't it? Here I am in prison and I'm in trouble. Who knows what I'm going through personally? And yet I'm writing over here to the young preacher and say, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, I think if I was in prison, I would wonder, are they going to feed me? Are they going to beat me? They crucified my Savior for nothing, and I'm in prison for standing up for him. Are they going to? Now let's go back to the Old Testament, another great man of God. His name was David. I like David, don't you? I can relate to David. I haven't slown a lot of giants, but I've messed up. Huh? Anybody understand what I'm talking about? David. David said this in 27.3 Psalms. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though the war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. David and Paul had a display of confidence. They, did this, they just did not know about God, but they knew God. And I, I'm going to tell you today, we need confidence. Not in us, not in us, but our confidence 
is in Him. See, our faith is not in my faith. That means my faith is not in my ability. My faith is in something bigger than me. God, my faith is in God. The base word in 2 Timothy for fear is timid. God's not given me a spirit of timidity or faithlessness. God has not caused me to be faithless. Let's read a couple verses in front of what David said. Psalms 27, 1 and 2, then we'll read 3 in, 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 in context. The Lord is my light. The Lord is whose light? My light. My salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should account against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should arise against me, in this I will be confident. I will be secure. I will put my trust in God. No matter what comes, I'm going to put my trust in God. In 27.1 Psalm, whom? This could be mankind, evil, could be circumstance. Paul again writes, and you know Paul wrote from a from 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 a, a, a such an awesome standpoint, his epistles. He tells the church in Rome, 831, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now the us is plural, but uh, that's you and me, but we do no harm if I say, if God is for me, say it, if God is for me, who can be against me? Now I, I'm, I'm not taking away from the corporate body. But the corporate body is made up of individuals like you and me. So if God is not against us, He's not against me. And that's you personally. When an enemy attacks, the Holy Spirit inside of us rises up. Someone called Janet recently and said they were praying for her. And they said, Janet, I want you to know right beside the cancer in your body is the Holy Spirit. And nothing shall happen to us today without passing through our Father's hands. Because God is bigger than any circumstance or any situation that we come to pass. Even Paul being in prison. Amen, oh me. Come on, Wyatt, amen or oh me. Okay, okay. When an enemy attacks, that Holy Spirit, that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That Holy Spirit inside of you rises up. I call it righteous indignation. Because God will not allow us to walk through the enemy's camp alone. God is with us. And He will not give us more than what we can stand. He will not cause us to have a spirit of fear or timidity, or I like this word, faithlessness. God does not deliver us up to fear and to being faithless. It is amazing to me when hard circumstances have come in my life. Have you experienced this when difficulties come and we feel weak? Anybody ever feel weak? Feel like you're not going to make it, but something rises up inside of you and you know that it's something bigger and more powerful than you. That's the Holy Ghost inside of you rising up to give you strength because God does not give us a spirit of faithlessness. That's some, boy, you ought to shout for that. Are you awake? You might need coffee. Are you awake? 
Did you get enough sleep last night? There's something that rises up inside of us. And it's not me having faith in my faith. It's my faith in the God that dwells inside of me. Then we can handle what's thrown at us through God. Confidence in my God. I used to say this I, at my age. Now, I don't know if I could handle it or not, but when I was 45, I thought I could. I, I, some, you offer me a million dollars to get in the room or in the ring with Muhammad Ali or Sonny Liston or Mike Tyson for one round, I might have done it for a million dollars. I'd stand anything if I knew it was going to end in three minutes. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I don't know if I could do that now or not, but I am telling you, The Mike Tysons, the satanic enforcers, the powers of evil, the sicknesses, whatever comes across our path in life with God, we can handle it. God, I'm going to make a point here in a little bit. Lord's help. One thing that sometimes people fear to change, fear fear, fear is change. People fear change. Anybody, Anybody in my age bracket? Anybody remember your 40th birthday party? I did. Man, I hated my 40th birthday. I, I buzzed through 50. 60 bothered me. Hello? 40 really bothered me. They gave me a black cake, black balloons, you know, everybody dressed in black. And then, you know, we laughed and we, we joked and everything. But when everybody was gone and I was all alone, I had a tough time. I thought, boy, this thing's half over with. Have I accomplished for the kingdom of God that which he's called me to do? Have I wasted time? Have I wasted talent? Have I wasted life? Or have I been about the king's business? Because this thing's half over with. Change. Sometimes we can fear change. The seasons of life. How many in my age bracket cannot do what you did at age 40? How many used to do it and now you hire it done? (laughs) Hello. Come, come, come. I'd rather pay you to do it. Hello. With that said, with that said, we live in a changing world. Regularly, we hear of earthquakes. Depending on where you are, we're pulling out of Afghanistan. We were supposed to be out here in in about uh, two weeks under the Trump administration, but now the Biden says he's going to pull us out September 11th to commemorate 9-11, which I don't understand wanting to commemorate that by anyway. Change. Political upheaval. Have you ever, I, I know some, some people say, I don't follow politics. Well, I do. And I'm going to tell you, I've never seen such upheaval. You know, three years ago, you see a clip of somebody that was against packing the courts, and now they're talking about increasing the Supreme Court to 13. I mean, I, I've never seen such, and it don't make a difference, Democrat or Republican, because if the shoe was fit the other way, the other party would do it. Such. <laughs> I, I tell you, I, I've come, I've had a revelation. Are you ready? We're living in the end times. <laughs> what do you think about that? But God has not given us a spirit of fear or faithlessness in the end times. Such violence. A few miles from where we stand, a young man gets out of a car and unloads his gun and kills people at the FedEx parking lot and inside the building. All the riots. And some want to call them riots, some want to call them not riots. And last night, a congresswoman stood up in Minneapolis and said, if this 
policeman is not convicted, we need to stay on the streets and we need to do more confrontation. I don't know about you, maybe point one, point zero 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 one of the policemen are bad, but whenever I'm in a mess, I want a cop. When they patrol through my neighborhood, I wave at them. I want them to drive through my neighborhood. Yet in the midst of all these changing times and violence and things we see in earthquakes and wars and rumors and uh, racial upheaval, sometimes Christians give in to the fear of the future, fear of the unknown. When God gives us a glimpse into the future, one of my sayings that probably grew old on all of you that knew me, but I just didn't have a better way to say it. I've read the end of the book, and we win. We win. Paul writes to the church at Corinthians and says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. 10.13, 1 Corinthians 10.13. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. In other words, you can handle what comes across your path in life because I'm with you. I can remember being a young Christian and hearing a sermon about judgment or the end times, and I would become somewhat fearful. Man, I don't want to be here in Revelation. When the trees and the shores and the seas and the hail, I don't want to be here. I want to be in glory watching it happen. Amen? But I'd get a little scared. I personally am pre-tribulation rapture. I believe in one Revelation 4, 1, it says that, uh, let's see what happens hereafter. I believe the church is taken out. Now, that doesn't mean, because I'm pre-trib, that the church may not go through persecution because around the world the church is going through persecution. But through the great tribulation, I believe the church is going to be out of here. Proverbs tells us fear, holding God in awe, is the beginning of wisdom. A healthy fear, a healthy reverence of God is good. I'm talking about a fear of, of your knees having fellowship because we're scared. And sometimes when we're holding sin in our heart, When we hear sermons on judgment or the end time events, we can get scared. That's a time to repent. Brothers and sisters, I'm not talking about cheap grace. I'm talking about heartfelt feeling bad for what you've done and turning your life around towards God and walking another direction in this old life than the one we are walking. Sometimes we can be afraid because our heart isn't right. But if I'm walking with God, Paul says, I will not put more on you. God says, I won't put more on you than what you can handle, and you can handle anything and any temptation that comes across your path because I'm with you. Here's the point of this message. It's found in an Old Testament story, 2 Kings 6, 1 through 23. Now, we're not going to read all of them because of time's sake, but I am going to read several verses. Uh, here's, here's the first uh, uh, verses, paraphrase, first 12 verses. There's a place, a, a, a study for students, and it was too small. They were studying under Elisha, and the building was too small, and they wanted needed a bigger place. So they borrowed some tools. They borrowed an axe to cut down a tree. 
Well, the axe head come off the handle and it was lost. And by a miracle, Elisha recovers the axe. The axe head floated, a miracle. Here's the point in verse 8. The king of Syria is warring against Israel. You with me? Israel and Syria are warring against each other. And, and, and God would tell Elisha serious plans, war plans. And Elisha would go tell the king of Israel what Syria was going to do, and Israel would defeat the Syrians. So we want to pick up the story where the Syrian king is speaking to his servants uh, in 2 Kings 6, 13. And he said, go and see where he is, Elisha, that I may send and seize him. It, it was told him, behold, he's in Dothan. So we went there, horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose up early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Fear. Elisha says, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than they that are with him. You know, now, I know you're going to think I'm weird, but I'm going to tell you, I believe angels are encamped around about us right now. Hebrews tells us there are ministering angels. And I believe God, uh, you know, I, I, I probably got three 10-foot ones because I get myself in trouble and I need a lot of protection. Hello? I, I don't know. Do not be afraid for those that are with us are more than those that are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. Lord, open our eyes and let us see from heaven's viewpoint that we are not alone in this battle. He opened the young man's eyes and the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to, to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. And as soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened the eyes, and they saw, and behold, there was, they were in the midst of Samaria. And as soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? Oh, that we could live our lives in such a way that the world would look to the church for advice. When the political leader, the king of Israel, looks to Elisha and says, O oh, Father, what should I do? Because today they don't look much to the church. Hello? Maybe we shouldn't live in such fear in the church. When we get so upset over what's going on in the world, maybe we need God just to come and settle us down. You remember the old uh, commercial, Don't Let Him See You Sweat? in an ever-changing political, violent world that we live in, maybe we need to have a little bit of what Elisha had. Elisha answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you take them captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. 
who knows, maybe if the world, maybe if our realm of society, maybe if the eight or 10 or 12 or 15 people that we have living around us would see such confidence in us, we would understand that maybe they might get saved if they saw us. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he went away and they went to their master and the Syrians did not come again or raid their lands. The world is watching us to know how we deal with troubles, enemies, and difficulty. Maybe they're writing notes and sending to their peoples and saying, how in the world does Joe have such faith? How does Brenda find these things out? How did they know how to pray just for me whenever they ask if they could pray? How did they know those things? And we'll stand up and say, it's not us, but it's this thing inside of us that rises up when there's difficulty. Lord, help us. And maybe then we could write some letters to our Timothys and say to the young people, don't be discouraged. I know the horizon looks bad and there's political upheaval and there's financial woes. We don't know what's going to happen in the stock market. We don't know what's going to happen in your 401k. But I do know this much. Our God is still in control. The sons of the prophets went into a building program. Cutting down trees for the building and the borrowed axe came off and fell into the river. Why do I use this portion of Scripture concerning an axe head floating? And what's that got to do with not fearing and change and stuff? Good question. We know the Syrian army is marching against Israel. Now listen, if we don't get anything else, get this. But even while the opposing army was preparing to attack, the men of God continued to build the kingdom. The enemy will do anything and everything to stop us from fulfilling God's vision. Get this, get this. If you get nothing else, personally, individually, corporately for the church, there are always distractions. Many distractions. There's always going to be distractions, personally and corporately. I cannot tell you how many times the devil tried to stop a church service in 35 years of being a pastor. I don't know how many times out there in the foyer of this room there was a ruckus trying to stop what was about to start in here. Commotions out there. I don't know how many times during a service, commotions in here while, I'm, while the sermon's going. I don't know why some couldn't get up and go to the bathroom during the worship song. But they had to wait till the middle of my sermon then walk off the front row and, and as they go down the front row, now I'm, I'm just, I'm retired. I can say what I want. And shake hands with three people going down the center aisles or going out to go into the bathroom. I designed a building. It was stupid of me to put the bathrooms where they are because I see everything goes on out there. I should have put the doors over here so I couldn't see anything. Hello? Distractions. And things like that can, can disrupt what somebody may hear or pick up because they're, for, for 30 seconds they'll watch somebody saunter down the Hello? You'd be amazed at the things, the stories I could tell of, of an attempt to stop the moving of God when the altar service is going on. We must not hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit. You sang a song about it today. We need to move. We need to move. We must not hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit, and fear of distractions can do that. 
We've always tried to keep moving forward. Tommy Barnett, some of you know or don't know who he is, but he pastored in Phoenix, Arizona. He always said this, the message is sacred. The method is not. Today, Jesus would probably use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I remember whenever Pentecostals in the movement I'm with used to make fun of Oral Roberts because he was on TV, the devil's one-eyed monster. But maybe, maybe if some of the early Pentecostals had not looked so down upon the TV, it wouldn't be as raunchy as it is today. Maybe the church ought to control the airwaves. This is a time to reach as many souls as possible. This is time to not live in fear. This is a time to turn our ears and hear the heartbeat of God and go after winning people. Jesus is coming, amen? These are perilous times we're living in, right? But we must not lose our sense of urgency and walk in fear and intimidation. What's the point? I believe we must be about God's business, just as these preachers were in 2 Kings. Whatever it is that God has called us to do, I believe we need to put on some blinders sometimes and not run after every distraction in life. We need to keep the main thing, the main thing, preaching the gospel to a world that needs to hear. Elisha, I borrowed an axe and it broke and fell in the river. What are we going to do? This has happened. That's happened. What else could happen? Elijah, what are we going to do? I don't know. How are we going? What are we going to do? I borrowed it. You know, oh, it's so terrible. It's so terrible. I believe Elisha did not, did not lose his cool. Oh, Lord, help me not to lose my cool. Why did Elisha throw a stick in the water? Oh, mercy. Sometimes these Pentecostals are just weird. He goes and cuts a stick and throws it in the water. Come on, come on, Axe Come here, come here. Weird. I don't know why he did this, except he obeyed what God called him to do. And I do have an opinion on why he done it. We're to be in the business of worshiping God and winning souls. And when we are about God's business, listen to me, I can expect God's help. Have I got time to tell one story? When the trust has come for this building, I come out early one morning. The truck had dropped him off already. He was gone. I took my tape measure and I started measuring. And I called Pastor Barry. He was a work, work youth pastor at the time. I said, Barry, these are the dimensions. Are these the wrong trusses? This, this was supposed to have a 12-2 pitch so that someday when a sanctuary is built, this could be turned into a gymatorium for kids. And the sidewalls were supposed to be so high and with a 12-2 pitch, 20 or 22 foot at the peak so you could hang a basketball goal. Not a full court, but kids could have fun in here. Give me an amen. And that, that was original plan. I called Barry up and, and he'd done some figuring. He says, no, those are the wrong pitch. So I'm on the phone to the architect down in Vincennes. I said, these he said, reject them, make them come and send them back. And so I hung up and, and, and through going back and forth and thinking and praying, I called him up and I says, is there any way we could make these trusses work? And the architect said, we'd have to raise the sidewalls, I forget, two or three feet. If we raise the sidewalls two or three feet, well, they were already 
they were already framed, two by six capped and everything. And so we had to resubmit plans. And anyway, there's, there's a two or three foot stub wall on top of this wall here. Built, built, built so big, you know, double, double plated, top, bottom, you know. And then there's metal braces running down, X braces to steady that top part all, all, all around this 70 by 70 building. So then I called the, the, the truss manufacturer up and I says, come and get your trusses. He says, I don't want them back. I said, well, I reject them. He said, I'll give them to you. I said, I don't want them because it's going to cost us X thousands of dollars to have the walls built up to take and receive the trusses. To, He said, I'll pay the cost to build the walls and have them put up. So we got the trusses for free and they paid the framing crew to come and frame to put it. See, we can expect God to help us. We can ex- Sometimes we don't expect so we don't get because this is a faith walk. Give me an amen. This is a faith walk. And so 2,000 years ago, Jesus hung on what? What's it made out of? That stick that Elisha cut, it can be called plank or a tree. King James just has a piece of wood, but it could have been a plank or a small tree. Jesus hung on a tree. And he washes our sins away by the washing of the word of God. And he shed his blood on that tree. Whenever Elisha threw that stick, a piece of wood, to retrieve the axe head, I believe it was symbolic of so many thousand years in the future, Christ was going to hang on a tree. And the scripture talks about the washing of the word of God. And he shed his blood on that tree so that my sins could be taken away. If God can float an axe head, he can do anything. In 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. In Psalms 27, if the enemy encamps round about me, I shall not fear. The Syrian king would make his battle plans and in his bedroom, and Elisha would know what was going on and inform the king of Israel. Beloved, get this nailed down. If I'm walking with God, God loves me and he's for me. He's not against me. When I walk in obedience and life regurgitates on me, I can expect God to come to my help. After all, when this life is over, I'm going to be in heaven with what the Hebrew writer says, looking over the portals of glory into what's going on. With those wonderful saints that are watching what's going on now. For God has not given us a spirit of faithlessness. God has given us everything we need to do the job. He's not given us a spirit of faithlessness. Faithlessness. And so when the enemy has you surrounded and your tool broke and it sunk to the bottom and you just don't know what to do, That's when the enemy brings out his big weapons and he tries to encamp around about you and he tries to bring fear. (laughs) How about this one? Some economists tell me they have great expectations for this year. The guy that handles my my retirement account, things are going to be good this year. 
Yet if you watch some TV shows, they're telling you that sometime towards the end of this year, we're going to have a crash. That could almost make you fear. Except for God. 90 days ago, I was, I rented a condo in Florida. Christmas Day, Janet said, I don't feel good. I said, well, honey, you better go to the doctor before we take off to go to the condo in Florida. You got diverticulitis, let's do a scan. We see something we don't like, let's do an MRI. Let's do a little blood work. And 7, 38 o'clock one morning, not, not the nurse, but the doctor calls and says, I hate to tell you this, but you have ovarian cancer. A few weeks later, they schedule and she does a four-hour surgery. And while she's in the room, they do the test and it's not ovarian cancer. It's cancer of the appendix that has spread through her body. That could almost make you have fear. Especially since 10 years ago, I went through the same thing. I lost my first wife. You think there's not an opportunity to stand up and say, God, I need something bigger inside of me than me. This message today isn't just pulled out of the hot air. It comes from here. And I'm telling you, when trials and troubles come, and they will come, we have something. We have an anchor that holds in the middle of difficulty. When pain goes through your body, or you get those phone calls that you don't want to get, you say, well, why do they happen to us? Listen. Listen, sir, they happen to everybody. Saint and sinner alike, amen? Saint and sinner alike. But we have something better. I don't have to go to Jack Daniels. Or that stuff now that they're trying to make legal because a former Speaker of the House is going to make $20 million called CDB. Legalizing marijuana. We got something better. Because I can turn to my God and say, God, the enemy is surrounding me. But I make a decision I shall not fear because you're with me. I'm going to stand with the apostle Paul who was in prison and wrote the young preacher and said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind because we're going to keep our wits about this because the enemy is not going to Get us focusing on everything else. We're going to make it through this. Amen? We're going to make it through this because God walks with us through the enemy camps. And at the end of all this, we get heaven. We get heaven. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and nobody looking around for just a minute. Preacher, I've had reason to fear lately. I've had reason. The enemy's been throwing fear at my mind, and I've had... I've had reasons to fear, but today I'm laying my fear down and I'm picking up faithfulness because God has not given me faithlessness. He's given me faithfulness. Anybody? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Everybody stand with me, please. 
I know it's an old cliche, but everybody look up here. I've read the end of the book, and we win. We win. We win. Cain kills Abel, but Abel won. Jesus is hanging on a cross and one says, if you're who you say you are, save me. And the other one, the other one over here says, oh, be quiet. We deserve what we're getting, but he doesn't. And Jesus turns to him and says, it's not a question. I believe it's a statement. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Who won? Who won? He died, but he won. We win. Lift your hands towards heaven if you would for just a second. Father, we surrender. I believe in my heart, Lord, there were, I think, three folks, two or three people raised their hand. I believe there were others. I ask you to wrap your arms around them and pull them close to your breast. Pull their ear down on your chest and let them hear your heartbeat. Let them hear that if God is for me, who can be against me? Let them feel your love. Let them feel your touch. And I rebuke faithlessness and we replace it with faithfulness because God, you have not given us fear, but power and love and a sound mind. We will not be distracted by what the enemy, whatever it is that you've given us to do, whatever talent you've given us, God, we will focus on what you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that they will walk in a spirit of confidence, that people on the job, people in the family, that peoples will come to them and say, what shall I do? That we will be like Elijah and the king of Israel comes to the preacher and asks for advice. God, raise up your people with a spirit of confidence that the world is watching around them and let them speak truth that Jesus Christ, come and died on a cross, rose from the dead, and can save them from their sin, Lord. Anoint your people. Give them confidence, Lord. Give them favor with those around them that they will be able to speak truth into people's lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. And oh, may shake a hand, hug a neck. If you're allowed to do that, social distancing, I don't know. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.